0: Welcome to the Banker podcast series, Banking in Transition, where we explore how banking has changed through the COVID-19 pandemic and is adapting for the future. In this series, the Banker's editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practices, and innovations that can help banks and their customers as we move towards a new normal in banking. I'm Kimberly Long, Age Editor of the Banker, and today I'm speaking with Calvin Poir. Global Head of Payment Networks at PPRO. Thanks for joining me today, Kelvin.
1: Hi, Kimberly. Thanks for having me.
0: Asia's payment space has seen a number of acquisitions and partnerships recently. What's been the catalyst for this?
1: That's a really good uh, question. I think to understand this, you know, we really need to kind of look at the context now in, well, globally, um, because of the COVID pandemic, we've seen a massive acceleration in adoption of e-commerce you know, people have to almost be forced to go online because of the physical distancing that's required. Physical stores have been forced to close and, you know, online stores are just growing really, really rapidly. I mean, if you look at the McKinsey report back in 2020, even says that uh, what we've seen is e-commerce has grown about 10 years in 90 days. And that's a really incredible acceleration that we've seen. Now, on the back of that, you know, what we have started to see is there's a lot of innovations and disruptions from new players coming into the market, particularly in a lot of these emerging markets in the Asia Pacific region, in Asia. Uh, you know, new, new companies are coming up with great ideas, trying to solve pain points. So let me give you an example in Malaysia alone, you've got more than 30 e-payment licenses in one country. In Indonesia, that number is more than 40 licenses within a country. So they all set up with the, with the objective of trying to solve pain points for consumers in terms of payments. But some of them would hit the mark and you will see massive adoption. Some of them would be very niche solutions where it addresses only a very narrow uh, focused type of problem. And so I think over this period where we've seen this sort of you know, uh, change of 10 years in 90 days, if you will, a lot of that has um, accelerated. And so we start to see companies and entities looking at say, Hey, could we partner up with somebody to provide a more complete solution? Um, You know, maybe this this one product is just too niche, but it works better, you know, being part of a bigger organisation or being part of a, a more complete offering. And so through this process of evaluation and basically also customer choice, uh, you start to see this natural partnership starting to form. You start to see acquisitions starting to happen. And though that's pretty much been, you know, what's happening in, in this exciting space of, of Asia and Asia Pacific.
0: And you've already mentioned there the real acceleration and speed towards the adoption of um, digital payments. So how are digital payments still changing in Asia? And are they moving beyond simple customer to vendor
1: payments? Yes, I mean, absolutely uh, massive changes are happening. I think, you know, um, two areas that I think would be really important to bear in mind, number one is the behavioral changes in the consumers. And with that, I mean, things like, you know, um, because of COVID and, and just and you know, people are worried about the spread of germs, uh, cash suddenly becomes something that's almost taboo. You know, it's like people are worried about passing notes and and currencies and coins around because of, uh, you know, they're worried about how the germs are spreading or how the virus is spreading. Uh, So that's one thing. And then on the other hand also, we start to see things like social commerce coming into the picture. Now this could be a result of people losing their jobs because of the pandemic. Sometimes it could be just looking for alternative uh, income to to strengthen their financial independence. But at the end of the day, you start to see a lot more of these, uh, not just big business, but you've got micro business, small business starting to come up. And what what that has changed or affected, or how that has affected digital payments is that, you know, you you get a lot of these demands or needs for payment services now, um, from the micro entrepreneur to the small entrepreneur. Um, And not only that, but, You have to look at how the platforms have evolved as well, where where all these commerce uh, occurs. I mean, you have the the usual suspects of eBay, Etsy, Shopify, those are very uh, global platforms that that have already been empowering e-commerce in the past. But now you start to see the the likes of Facebook, for example, who have started to add shopping features to their social sites, Um, even the likes of Pinterest and so on and so forth. So. Once you get all of these um, e-commerce activity happening and really, really ramping up, um, you find that you you enter a situation where there is a strong, strong demand for payments. Now, in before the pandemic happened, I think a lot of times people do rely on the usual global card schemes, the VISA's, the MasterCards, to enable this onboard uh, online payment, but you know as I mentioned earlier because of the pandemic a lot of these um, you you start to see a lot of new participants in e-commerce that never traditionally wanted to be involved so you know maybe it could be the more senior uh people in society those who are very comfortable just going to the shops and paying in cash all of a sudden you know oh I have to go online as well I have to go buy my groceries online and um, they may not all have Credit cards, for example, and so the the importance of having local payment methods that they are used to become even more um, pronounced. And so, in that regard, you know, payments in in Asia is no longer just about having a credit card uh, and being able to be happy to service your customers with that. You know, these days you need to really be um, very very local, giving your customers as much as many choices as you can, um, and and that is really I think how you can ensure your success in this sort of accelerated environment. And I think the other element that is interesting to note as well in terms of behavioral changes is um, it's no longer just about making payments from a consumer to a vendor. Uh, these days, you know, online payment systems are also used for person to person payments as well. Like, you know, a a great example is uh, over in February, that's just passed, uh, Asia celebrates, well, many parts of Asia celebrates this Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year. And typically, there's a tradition of giving a red packet where there's some some money inside uh, as a form of blessing. But what we've seen this year, uh, at least amongst my friends and people in Singapore, is that a lot of them are now using an online payment method to actually Give that blessing, give that virtual red packet, if you will, and and uh, and this is just a, a very very uh, interesting development. Not something that I've ever expected to see, but you know, here we are.
0: As you say, that there's already been such a huge rate of change happening. But what do you think are the new trends to come in payments?
1: Wow, well, that's another good question. Um, <laughs> I think that there's a couple of things that we do see coming up um, you know, as a result of all these rapid changes. Uh, I think first, first and foremost is this concept of buy now, pay later. Um, and if you think about it, it's not really a very surprising trend uh, to expect because, you know, obviously with the pandemic going on, um, you know, economies around the region are all worried about what's, what's going to happen next, um, how you know, trade may slow down and things like that so people are naturally quite worried about job security and so having an option to do buy now pay later uh when they go online shopping is an important choice to have and you know so buy now pay later you know very quickly is just nothing more than an installment payment that is available to the consumer um usually for you know little or no interest charges at all and What this allows the consumer to do is to really very quickly um, receive the goods and services while the intermediary, which is the payments provider, uh, you know, will manage the installment payments as well as make sure that the merchants get paid on time and and things like that. So I think that's one very important service and it's an important trend that we see coming up. Uh, In fact, you know, there is uh, some reports that suggest that by 2025, 30% of all European e-commerce spend. Uh, will be with this method buy now pay later another possible trend that we see is this whole uh disruption in brand loyalty i suppose we could call it that what what this means is that you know because of the pandemic there is a lot of strong support for local businesses i think uh communities are getting together and say hey you know what if i don't support my local business they're just going to go away and disappear and so there is a shift from the traditional well-established brands to say, let's go with the local shop, local e-commerce shop, and and how can we support uh, them in in their business? And uh, it comes back to this phenomenon of being hyper-local, being able to offer local payment methods for these new shoppers that have come online and, uh, and, you know, one of the interesting things we have studied is cart abandonment, meaning that, you know, people who walk away from a shopping cart and this cart abandonment we've seen could be as high as 75% if the consumer doesn't see uh, their preferred payment method. So I think that's kind of an important trend to take note of that not only do we want to make sure that we have got payment available on, on all our shopping sites, but also the availability of. Uh, local choices to, to make that, uh, transaction complete. The, the third trend that we do see is perhaps the fact that there is increasing need for stricter security standards. Uh, and I think this is natural given the, how much more now the transactions have gone online. So you, we see a greater push for greater regulation and security, you know, the governments in the region want to safeguard their citizens and their consumers, and so. You know this is something that is really really important when you're considering uh, uh, payment methods and e-commerce. And a couple of examples, like in Australia, uh, you know they just recently brought on this card-not-present fraud mitigation framework, where there is now a stronger authentication protocol that is required by businesses uh, and and service providers. And in India as well, two-factor authentication for all domestic and credit, uh, sorry, all domestic credit and debit cards. For transactions that go above two thousand rupees, so you know, they're, they're just all you know, two examples of many, many um, cases where governments in Asia are starting to relook their regulation. How do I pro- both promote e-commerce and promote this uh, digital payments at the same time? I want to make sure that it's safe for my citizens and and uh, the instances of fraud are brought to the uh, a minimum. Um, well, I think the final trend. Um, that I would have to say is that you know payments in general, digital payments in general, really need to be prepared for hyper growth. Um, you know, we've seen incredible growth in the last year, 2020, but I think this trend is set to continue and even potentially accelerate. More consumers are starting to go online. Um, there will be you know hopefully less physical distancing, but I think that the result of 2020 is that many people now realize that uh, online Shopping e-commerce is a viable way of of shopping a viable way of life and so while we see that distances uh, have increased on in the online space, the borders have disappeared right and as more social uh, commerce entrepreneurs start to come on board, uh, we also start to see them explore cross-border transactions and 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 uh, basically, you know, you can just expect the whole e-commerce scene to really, really continue to, to grow and uh, accelerate at a rapid pace. And so, you know, fundamentally, I think with that, there is a need to be mindful of having a, a robust shopping platform. And also, I think it's really important to remember that the um, the new consumers, especially those who have just started, they may or may not have. Uh, Credit card facilities, and they may be more comfortable and more reliant on local payment options. That you know, uh, these new merchants and new payment providers need to be really, really mindful about that. I mean, uh, you know, just a a final note to leave you with is that there are possibly more than 500 significant uh, local payment methods across the world, and that's a lot, a lot to handle with, and so you know, we really need to think about scaling up in order to be successful in this really new, new type of e-commerce environment.
0: That's great, Kelvin. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you very much again for having me pleasure.
0: And you can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and ACAST and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcasts.